0: Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure.
1: Thanks for joining us today on Better Roads, where, yes, we want to learn about the personal stories of our guests. And today we're going to un- unpack another one of those stories. We're glad to have with us today, George Williams. Uh, George leads the RAM Network for East Region of Open Bible Churches. And George, you know, RAM stands for Release and Multiply. It's, it's, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit today and learn about that. But, you know, it's great to have you with us in Better Roads. And I think the place we have to start is tell us about your family and where you live.
0: Yeah, my wife and I live in Toledo, Ohio. Love it. It's our, it's our city rust belt and all Um, and we have two daughters anna is my youngest and selah and both of them are passionate for jesus Uh, my wife sarah williams also open bible credentialed minister Um, she's my my hero in the faith Um, so uh, yeah seeing how god has used each one of these special ladies in my life has been powerful, fun story. We were visiting a church the other day. My youngest daughter, she's currently, she's 11, uh, did one of the junior high classes. And they went around the room and asked all the kids what they wanted to be when they grow up. And Hannah said, I want to be a veterinarian. When she got home, she said, Mom, I said veterinarian because I didn't know how to explain to them. I want to be like you. I want to do deliverance <laughs> ministry and and be prophetic and 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 help heal people. I didn't know how to explain that. So I just said veterinarian. That's close. That was plan B. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you, and, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more today about how you and your wife minister together and Sarah, because you have your own distinct gifts, but let's back up to the beginning point of this. And for people who don't know, said you're a part of the ram network for east region of open bible churches well first of all where is east region of open bible
0: churches yeah east region is one of the five regions of open bible it's the the northeast part of kind of looking at the map so i always Mm -hmm. say from indiana all the way to new york from the top of maine all the way down to the tennessee kentucky bottom there and and all that area in between it's about 18 states and we focus on planting churches seeing new ministries grow and thrive in that area
1: yeah and you know you're wanting to help churches or help to plant churches the fact of the matter is you are a church planter so this isn't something that's just theoretical for you yeah uh, but i know that the path you took to beginning a church well, it wasn't the same as a lot of other people. Uh, you had your own path where God took you. So tell us a little bit about that church uh, and then describe the journey that led you to planting a church.
0: My wife and I planted City Light Church in the red light district of Toledo about 10 years ago. So we have some interesting neighbors um, mm-hmm. all around us. It's, it's a fun place to have a church. But before that, when my wife and I were about 23 years old, we were newly married. Uh, my wife told me before we got married, George, you have a car loan and um, I'm not going to marry anyone with debt. So you got to get that car paid off before, before this <laughs> oh, wedding. She laid so down the She law. may or may not have helped me out with that, but we'll leave may that, you know, okay, off the record. Yeah, um, yeah. Not that this is being recorded or anything. No, I'm sure. No. Yeah, oh, no, no one will um, hear this. No one will know. <laughs> so, uh, we started at zero, and it was one of the best places to start. And we um, read the scripture. Jesus said that the the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. And we said, let's let this be our guiding compass. And for some crazy reason, if this doesn't work out, we can always move in with our parents. So we started, <laughs> started a ministry, um, had no clue what we were doing. And God seemed to be okay with that. Is you know we would say we wake up every day, and ask Holy Spirit, what what do you want us to do? Using the scripture as our as our boundaries and our guide, and we saw so much incredible stuff. Um, you know, it changed season by season as we figured things out. Um, saw baptized people in our basement and our front yard, or our bathtubs, our Anywhere we could find hundreds of people coming over to our house for these dinners that we had, block parties, Um, saw really an impact of a community, which we were praying. God convicted our hearts that what we were doing, uh, not that it was anything bad, but he began pressing on our hearts that the primary pathway for the redemption of the world is through the local church. and we didn't see ourselves necessarily connected and that began continuing to press on our hearts and we began praying god plant a, a life-giving relevant transformative church in our neighborhood that we can partner the work that we're doing with we felt like we were sowing tons of seed and seeing sprouts grow and we wanted good soil to be surrounded by the work that we we're doing and we prayed and we prayed and you know, maybe some of the listeners know who Tom and Nancy Rupley are. Um, they were some spiritual fathers and mothers in our life. And yes. my wife went to meet with Nancy, uh, kind of a mentorship thing. And Nancy spoke into my wife's life saying, Sarah, I think that God is calling you guys to plant the church that you're praying for. Sarah came home convinced. Um, you know, George, we're, God's calling us to plant a church, and and Nancy spoke it, and it bears witness with my heart. And I said, "Well, that's great for Nancy. I, I I'm not so sure about this."
1: <laughs> Somebody talked <to> me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i <laughs> i I'm really excited about the fruit that we're seeing, and and we're on some momentum, and that would be a huge change of gears. But I, we prayed and fasted, and I laid down fleece. And one of the things I love about about the Lord is, he's never offended when we ask for confirmation. It's not something he's insulted by. Surely. I think, you know, it's something more is we want to make sure that we're walking in his will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fleece is a signal to saying, God, I want to make sure that I'm obedient to what you're saying, not just moving on whims. And, you know, he, he began speaking to us confirmation after confirmation. And eventually we had to say, okay, God, we're, we're convinced. And We moved forward with the process in 2012 of planting an open Bible church because that's the family that we were connected with. And um, the rest is history. It's been about 10 years now since we planted City Light.
1: Such an exciting journey. And I remember those early days, too, because I was around occasionally where you had, uh, you know, ministering out of your house, and uh, you guys just look for whenever there was a door that the Lord opened, you were ready to walk through it. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't know that, you know, to begin with, I don't, was, let me put it this way. Was church planting, the church seemed a little too traditional for you to begin with? I mean, you were so non-traditional what you're doing to begin with. You had to make a change in there.
0: Randall, that scared me like nothing else. <laughs> what? I am an outside the box. I didn't even know the box existed. And then, and then now, now we're trying to do, and I, you know, and I had all these ideas of how the church was going to look different and unique and, you know, all these things. And Randall, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you know, I love the graciousness of God. It is yes. the, the, the the Scripture says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And That's right. Sometimes even as believers, the repentance isn't oh you really messed up and now you need it. the repentance is just a change of thinking, mm-hmm. and it's the kindness of the Lord that. And I remember the Lord just speaking, George. I love those ideas. Those are such great ideas um but i'm going to need you to do something that people will actually understand that people will actually that that <laughs> oh, will actually bring people in and minister and so he you know he really spoke to my heart and said i need you to do something that is a bit more traditional a bit more within the realm of what other people who have forged before you have done the same things and we knew that was one of the biggest reasons why we knew that we had to connect with Open Bible Churches, that we knew that we had to connect with a fellowship of churches, because, like I said, I didn't even know what the how to work inside the box. I needed, <laughs> I need help with the box. I needed a safer yeah. place, um, and also I realized that planting a church had the potential for more casualties, mm-hmm. and I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that the least amount of casualties happened. So I wanted to plant with a with a network with people that could walk beside me and teach me how to do it, which that was foreign to me. I had a great mentor, Brian Ellers. Um, He seemed to, him and I are about the opposites. If there's ever any opposites, (laughs) it's Brian Ellers and I, but the Lord used him so, he had this unlikely prophetic, maybe it was just God speaking through him, whether he knew it or not. But he would say the right things that would click in my brain that said i i need to do what he says do you know take the advice that he's giving me even if it goes against every um instinct uh this isn't about those those entrepreneurial instincts is about doing a tried and true pathway and the entrepreneurial side will come in it'll come into play just not right this second
1: <laughs> well isn't it beautiful how god brings people together and yeah uh, I was thinking the word that came to me also was grace, God's grace in your life. And sometimes grace means patience. Yes. Uh, God God gives us time. And then I was thinking as you sharing of that, how for many people, how the Lord stretches them is moving them out of the box. God stretched you by planting you in the box. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That is uh, for sure.
1: So you, you, uh, you really continue to grow in how God is using you talk about expanding the box now. And now you're, you're committed to helping others who are interested in planting churches. So how did that transition come about? And talk to us a
0: little bit about what RAM is, what it does. Absolutely. You know, long ago, before, before church planning was even on a, on my grid, I, a great friend of mine, a prophetic voice in my life spoke early on when sarah and i just got married and he said george um the lord saying that that you're going to be a pastor you know and sometimes you get prophetic people that uh will just kind of say things in your destiny and you kind of hold on to those things loosely you know like Mm -hmm. maybe we'll see um but he he had been so accurate so many times i'm like oh well i'm not sure i received that word but i'll put it on the shelf. Cause that was the last thing I wanted to, to be, I wanted to be out again, outside the box, but um, it's just interesting how God works. And I remember saying to God, I'll do anything for you as long as it's not a pastor. And um, we know that story. We, we laugh We and, and you know, God chuckles, he's chuckling with us as we all kind you of giggle you. at that because That's right. we know the last thing we want to do is it's like the Lord heard the first part of that sentence, like, I'll do anything for you, you know, it's like, okay, done, period, uh, <laughs> you know, and like, yeah. tune me out in the last part of that sentence. So, you know, obviously, we we became pastors, uh, he tricked us, and knowing that we were entrepreneurial, <laughs> uh, and he tricked us saying, you can plant a you. church, but the, the catch is you have to pastor that church that, oh, man, okay. Um, so we passed through the church for um nine years, almost ten years, and about um three quarters of the way God began speaking to my heart um just through the desire you know sometimes he speaks through us through godly desire yes he can. and and I knew that in me it, deep inside my bones, and I could not shake it, was this desire to plant more churches. And not necessarily pastoring them, not necessarily being the the one to, but I I have to seeing how God uses churches, I have to be a part of making sure that this continues on from generation to generation, helping others go down the same path. And I didn't know what that was going to look like and how it was going to look like, but I just knew, knew deep inside the core of me that was how it was going to be. And um you know, one thing led to another and things opened up within Open Bible East for there to be a part-time kind of uh, role. I took that and a few years ago, things opened up even more saying we need to become more serious about this and and expand our church planting initiative. And we knew that that was going to re- require more time invested And so it was an obvious, uh, I shouldn't say it was obvious, but it was clear that I needed to transition from being a lead pastor of a church to being a church member and take on this role of a new church planting director full-time.
1: So here you go. God's never done stretching us. It never fails. You know, it's always the next chapter. So, you know, years earlier, Sarah had come to you and said i believe you're supposed to plant a church and you know it took time for god to get get your attention and get you a place where you're ready to do that so you've made that you've been doing that for these years and then you hear this inkling this urging this word from the spirit saying yeah. you know it's it's kind of a holy itch sort of thing yeah. i guess you know that comes over you that you just feel compelled that you're you're to move in that new direction so that leads to some Here we go, transitions again. So, how hard is it? How hard was it, you know, to turn over a church that you and Sarah had birthed? This was your baby, you know. Oh, absolutely. And and to, you know, turn that over to someone else's shepherd. And then also, more specifically, you know, how was it for Sarah with this? She's the one who got the word to begin with on planning a church. And obviously, this decision affects her in in a a great way. So, talk to us a little bit
0: about all that. It is, my wife's gifting is highly prophetic. And so when God started, I think you said it well, like this holy itch, she, she may not have had this divine word, but she could see it in me and on me. Mm-hmm. And the writing was on the wall. And I, And we're not talking a few month process. We're talking years um, that that God was calling me more to an epistolic work and I use the epistolic with a small a um, understand yes you know and so she had seen it in me and on me and you know we didn't make sudden moves we had lots of lots of those late night conversations and prayer and um, also those dreaming of what what things might look like and dreaming helps but it rarely ever rarely ever do things look the way you dream but it but it helps kind of tune your heart into the right direction explore mm. what would it what would all this mean that's good um, george wow my wife and i went on a vacation in january of 2020 in uh, in that time that holy itch be turned into a holy rash you know and it was it it was a <laughs> it was a holy heartburn like like God was saying, it is time for change, And it was so interesting in the timing because this was right before the pandemic hit. and i I just knew I knew that it was time to start putting action to these words. Uh, I also knew that a young younger man in the church that we had been raising up, he was on staff, He was an administrative pastor. I always hated when he said it, but this is the truth. his job would he would tell people my job description is to do anything that George doesn't want to do. Um, <laughs> I was never a fan of that job description, but that essentially, I, I couldn't really say that that wasn't true. Um, but I came back and we had a meeting and I said, um, Pastor Trevor, um, God is God is doing a transition. I don't fully know the timeline, but all I know is I must decrease and you must increase. And we began a pathway um, of mm-hmm raising him up, giving him more opportunities to lead, to preach, to teach, um, to be recognized within the church as a forefront leader. Then a, an exact year, an exact calendar year later is when I had a meeting with our executive director, regional executive director about taking the full-time position. So we were already planning something before I even knew what the exit ramp was. And that's that was dangerous, Randall. I, it was scary because I'm planning a transition with someone not knowing a timeline. And I realized that that can actually hurt a lot of people when, you know, there's expectations and those expectations don't get met, but there was a fire that God was doing something that we couldn't say no to. And and so I, I would say it's a it was a high risk thing. We We took that risk and God met us in that to, to, show us the exit ramp, and uh, by October 2021, we handed over the leadership to Pastor Trevor Carr. He's now my pastor, even though he's younger than me, and I used to be his pastor. He's now my pastor. I love serving under his leadership. That's our home church.
1: So it occurs to me that, you know, as you talk about this, George, that uh, you're really helping to define faith. Uh, There's a scary dimension to faith because ultimately you come down to the point where you have to make a leap, you know, just think yeah. about something you have to make the leap and you did that. But, but I think what you're saying is that the, the call of God upon you was so undeniable that you didn't really have
0: another option, but to follow him. Yeah. And I think faith is important to be sober about it. You know, when Jesus talks about um, the amount of faith to move a mountain, uh, sometimes faith doesn't mean uh, pretending that the mountain doesn't exist—that's exactly right. Yes, but faith is seeing the mountain, knowing yes. the challenge, realizing the cost, understanding the risk, um, and moving forward, regardless of that. Knowing that um, that you're going to be faced with this with this thing, and so and so that element of faith says, "I'm I'm going to move a full forward anyway." That's a good word for someone, even if they aren't in
1: church planning, George. You know, that faith is not the denial of what exists. Faith is looking yeah. into its face, even if it's ugly, and that's when faith has to kick in. That's very good. So, in talking about faith and the element that is involved in the church planning, there, you, from your experience and what you've learned and are learning, there have to be some misconceptions about church planning. Anything there you'd like to help us with?
0: I think there is a, you know, all church planters need to some degree be pastors because we shepherd and care for and lead a group of people. But the gift mix inside, particularly inside of a church planter is a little bit different than someone who is called by God to be a pastor. I have I have been under the covering and and the shepherding of phenomenal pastors in my life, and but I I mark the difference between sometimes a church planter and a traditional pastor because of the of the again I'm going to use the word apostolic with a small a and, and that word means that the sentness that you know an apostle is someone who's sent on a mission. Uh, to do something, and a church planter has that sentness about them, sometimes church planters don't actually make the best pastors. And it, and p- part of that is exciting for me because I I serve under Trevor now, who's, who's now my pastor. And actually, I think he's actually a better pastor than I am in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. He's more in tune to the needs of the people while I'm always pushing forward with vision some point the people like hey can we take a rest for a little bit can we just sort of you know uh uh, be still by the by the green pastures do we always have to be going through the valley of the shadow of death pastor george
1: he's shepherding (laughs) them then yeah
0: yeah yeah and so i would say when someone has the heart to pastor to teach they may not always have the same gift mix to start something out of nothing or to take new territory or to go into an area. And it doesn't have to mean, when I mean area, go into an area, it doesn't have to mean like move to another city. It could be even in the same area that you live to go into a new place and to preach the gospel and make disciples and form spiritual community. It um, does not always mean that that is pastoral. um that that good pastors make good church planners and good church planners make good pastors um, there are many examples of good church planners that also make good pastors
1: so so that leads to another question then that i i know this exists oftentimes i've heard people verbalize it other times i think it's there but not verbalized this whole matter of the the importance of planning churches because we have churches that are looking for pastors Mm-hmm. To lead them, and we have churches that uh, you know are far from full, and so uh, sometimes people could think, "Well, don't we need to take care of making our own churches healthy first before yeah. we go out there and plant new churches?" Uh, could you speak to that a
0: little bit? Oh, I'd love to. And this is actually a, a passionate question that a, a question that invokes passion in me because I love the church in all of its. Ways, shapes, and forms, and if I see a church of, you know, ten elderly people and a and a pastor that's been there, or or even a young pa- a pastor that's shepherding those people, and some may see, oh man, the writing's on the wall. That church isn't going to be around much longer if they don't make change. Um, I I sort of have this way of looking at it, saying if they're pastoring those ten people well is change required? And yeah, that church may pass away, but the thing of a church passing away doesn't grieve me. The thing that grieves me is a church passing away and new churches not being started. I think Jesus makes this statement about old wineskin and new wineskin, and this may not be exactly what he's he's talking about, but Um, I think the analogy works in many ways and shapes and forms. And and I think it applies also. There's a strong case that you could apply it to the the church planting of old churches and new churches. Jesus makes this uh, parallel between old wineskin and new wineskin. And particularly in Luke, the book of Luke, and he says, and and some will be, some will say that the old wineskin is just fine. Mm -hmm. I'm actually like that, Randall. I think the old wineskin is just fine. And we need pastors to fill those churches and to pastor those people. Well, but Jesus is also making a case saying, and we also need new wineskin. And -hmm. the truth is, is that new, new churches reach new people, because that's the, that is what required is required of those churches to thrive. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to make a clear statement that a church plant that is made up exclusively of christians from other churches is not a church plant that's called stealing um, and <laughs> i don't endorse to that put it
1: kind, to put it kindly
0: <laughs> yeah i i don't endorse that I, I i from time to time i've seen that happen not necessarily with an open bible but i've seen that happen and, and it grieves me um but it's sort of saying like, I can pastor the people better than you can. And um, church planning is fundamentally based on um, the principles that you find in the book of Acts, you know, the book of Acts never talks about church planting, it talks about preaching the gospel and making disciples. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that, you know, any marriage, for the most part, any marriage isn't, you know, a, a young man sees a, a beautiful woman that his heart falls in love. He doesn't say, I'm looking for someone to make a baby with, you know, and I've found you and no, that he falls in love with the person and, 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 you know, in a healthy marriage where everything is working good, we should anticipate that a baby is born in the same way, preaching the gospel, reaching lost people and discipling, we should anticipate that a church is born out of that. So I love new pastors that, that take on uh, roles of existing churches that some of the in some cases will pastor them until until most of the congregation fades off into eternity or um, pastors that have an entrepreneur edge that can essentially reinvigorate a call to mission and evangelism and outreach and discipleship either one of those i'm fine with church planting is somewhat in a different category and i love both of them god's called me to the church planting realm
1: yeah, well, that's a very helpful delineation. Also, helpful as far as dating 101, what not to say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully that will help someone today. And need help from that area. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, we will post your contact information with a link to this podcast. But what message would you like to send to someone who, you know, they're feel, they identify with what you said. There's a little bit of that holy itch. There's something they feel is stirring. They're considering planning a church, what would you like to say to them?
0: Anyone that feels the holy itch, I would encourage them to start something, to, to gather people, especially people that may be far from God or maybe disconnected from the church or that maybe young in their Bible knowledge, start a Bible study, start a discovery group, gather a few um, people within your sphere of influence to begin building community and exploring God and exploring the Bible, you might find that one of two things. You might find, wow, I don't like gathering people and I don't like trying to navigate them from a place of being unsure about God or unfamiliar with the word of God to a a place of, of receiving that, you know, or you might find great passion in it, that may become the nucleus of a church. It may not, it may be something that you do with inside of a church ministry that already exists and you hand that over and say, hey, I need to do this again on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. All church planners need to be good at starting something from nothing. And the past performance always, uh, often dictates future performance, um, future Mm -hmm. expectations. So being able to start something from, start something that doesn't exist, particularly in the realm of moving people that are moving people in a direction of spiritual growth that are, that are new or haven't even started their spiritual journey yet. That is one of the best places to start. If you know that God is just burning inside of you to plant a church, almost every region in open Bible, um, from time to time, will have some kind of workshop, we'll have some kind of, in the different regions, we call it different things in open Bible East. Um, we call it dream big workshop where we'll do a workshop it just explores the the concepts of church planting and it's for people that don't know they're they're like i don't know maybe i'm a church planner maybe i'd like to do something with church planning it's not church planning training it's just exploring and discovering what church Mm -hmm. planting is Mm -hmm. and these are great outlets for people to learn more about church planning discover church planning in themselves you know um get excited about the the possibilities Sometimes we have a preconceived idea of what a church has to look like, and that in itself may be why someone doesn't want to plant a church. And they might discover, "Oh, wow! Actually, if if I look at church through this lens, that looks something really exciting to me." I don't know if that's yeah. helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And I want to swing back to Sarah. You've made, you know, several references to, you know, beginning how she heard from the Lord first, and then. You had to have a witness, and then you heard from the Lord, and she had to have a witness. Sarah yeah. um, has been a guest on Better Roads. And as you said, she has a prophetic and a prayer gift as her calling. Yeah. And um, I just have to say that was uh, that podcast was really received well by many people. In fact, it occurs to me, people listening today to you, George, if you want to go back to where you found this link. For this uh, visit with George, you can also find the one with Sarah Williams. and you could really be blessed by doing that. So uh because Sarah Sarah has um, could I say a non-scary prophetic and prayer gifted calling? Yes, and yeah, and so uh, there's just a sweetness about her, uh very disarming. She doesn't try to bowl people over and so I really believe in in the, you know, bear witness with me about the genuineness of the anointing that is upon Sarah. So obviously you and Sarah are not alike at all in gifting. Surprise, surprise. You know, you're just totally wired different. So how do you make that work as a couple in ministry?
0: Do you ever collide with one another? Can you just give us a peek inside? First of all, when two people are running after God, they find themselves running next to each other. And that's how Sarah and I met. We were at a church and we were both passionately running after God. And I looked over and I'm like, hey, there's a cute girl running the same direction I am. And, you know, maybe we should be partners in this journey. And we've been ministry partners from day one. It's interesting because we found probably the... You know, just being married so long, you either have to figure out how to make it work or it doesn't work. And so we've been married at the point of recording 16 years, and we figured out how to make it work. Interestingly, we're probably doing more stuff apart from each other than we ever have before, because we've always kind of tag teamed in ministry. Mm -hmm. So, But like you said, Randall, our giftings are so different, and that did take some time. I'm I'm a dreamer, I'm an idea guy. I mean early on in marriage I would come in and I'd have the most brilliant idea. Oh babe, we do this idea. We're going to be billionaires like Elon Musk move over, you know. I'd share this idea and I'd just see dread in her face and I'm like, babe, all you got to do is is look at me and say that's a great idea, George. And I, you know what, I'll forget about it tomorrow, you know, and that's it, you know, with, with kind of looking in her eye, like, well, we only do, you know, in her world, like we, when God gives us something, then that's when we do it, you know, and, and so for her, the the world is more like you wait for the direction of the Lord. And when the Lord speaks to you, then you move forward. And, and I love dreaming with God and, and, you know, we could do this and that. And so that early on that, that uh, I had to learn how to tell her, I'm only dreaming, this does not mean that I want to go do this tomorrow. And she also learned that by the third time that I'd come with the same idea, then she better start speaking into it, whether she was for it or against it, because now I'm actually putting together some plans. And she, that's sort of the moment that she has to speak in. But with the prophetic and the apostolic you know small a gifting that I, I believe God has on my life um, we did have to learn how to partner together there's just as she's been the kite string to my kite with the great ideas and visionary stuff and she kind of pulls me down in the same way as God developed her prophetic gifting and I will tell you what any any listeners that, that have maybe a stronger prophetic gifting it does take time to develop that gift just as a good a good preacher did not become a good preacher overnight that they took time to develop their gift of communication and studying the word and the same way with all of the giftings is it takes time and there's many mistakes that you can make and you know sarah and i went through periods of time where there's uh, prophetic hardships of learning and growing to to hear god's voice and to Walk that out with timing, with interpretation, with understanding what he's saying. Um, and I'm grateful that God gave both of us the grace to help sharpen one another's gifting. And interestingly, I think a prophetic gift and an epistolic gift kind of work well with one another. They sharpen one another, but more so now than ever. I have seen the fruit of her ministry, and I'm I am the biggest. Cheerleader. I think if God uses me prophetically, it's only because I've been sharpened by being around with her. And if God uses her and more going into new territory and advancing the kingdom in new places, it's because maybe I've sharpened her in that area. Yeah, that's so, good.
1: You know, really life together for a married couple who love the Lord and, as you said, are running together after the Lord. It's like an ongoing adventure, isn't it? Yeah for sure. And it does require a lot of grace, as you said. Well, George, as we wrap this up today, you have unpacked your journey for us. This has been great learning about what God's been doing in you and is doing through you and Sarah together. Just rejoice over His goodness in your lives and your willingness and your faithfulness to follow Him. But as you look back over the entirety of your life, you know, we all have certain roads that we're on. Some of those, it's like we didn't have any choice. It's like, I just got to, I just got to motor down this road. Uh, Other times there are roads that we'd say, you know, I probably would have been better off had he not chosen that one, but in God's and his grace, you know, he's been with me. But then, you know, most of us can look back and say, there were a couple of roads that I'd say, wow, you know, I'm so thankful I took those because they were, they were so key to helping me to where I am today and allowing God to do what he wants to through me. So, what are maybe one or two of those roads for you that the better roads, George?
0: When I was a younger man, I was about 21 years old. I was trying to figure out this walk with God, trying to figure out how to serve him. I I couldn't say I had strong disciples, disciplers in my life that could really mentor me. And it, it wasn't necessarily that anyone, it just, I didn't know to surround myself with those people. But I I was hungry for God, and I started going to. You know, I was living living in Grand Rapids at the time, and I found a random church to go to. And I was just really passionate to serve God. My life was full of sin, Randall. I was I had sown my wild oats, but deep inside of me was this desire to know God and be close. I started going to this church, and there was a ministry trip that they were going to take, and I signed up for it, and the guy that was leading, can't even remember his name, but he said this, um, you can't take people farther spiritually than you've gone yourself. Mm -hmm. Those Mm -hmm. words penetrated my heart. And there was some major, Mm -hmm. well, at the time, alcohol played a big part in my life. You know, for anyone listening, you could replace alcohol with any kind of stumbling block any stuff for me that was that was a big part of my life it was a part of my social life it was a part of every aspect of my life and the lord convicted me at that point like this this is the thing that's sort of preventing you currently of moving forward spiritually and i i knew that there was about a month prep before we took this ministry trip and i decided i want to go as far spiritually as i can go i want to grow as much spiritually as I can grow, because I want to make the biggest difference. And I don't know if I can give up alcohol the rest of my life. But I could at least put it aside for the next two, two or so months, while I'm preparing to go on this trip. And I, I gave that up for God, uh, sort of a sacrifice, saying, God, I don't know if I have the strength to do this forever. But I, I, I have to at least give this, this period of time. And I remember being done with that trip. And it was amazing and saw god do so much and i remember you know sort of getting off the plane and thinking to my i had this thought i can drink alcohol again and for the first time and i didn't know what it was at the time but but i experienced the spirit of the fear of the lord and it wasn't it wasn't like a like i trembled or, or i wasn't scared but i knew that i knew that i was surrounded by something much much bigger than me And I didn't hear the audible voice of the Lord, but deep inside of me was this knowing that didn't come from me saying, George, you have a choice right now. And whatever path you pick, it will dictate the rest of your life. And whatever path you pick, there's really no turning back. Um, You can either pick back up with this thing that you had surrendered over to me for a period of time that will change your life, or you can keep going on the path that you set the choice is up to you that's that scared me in in all the right ways and i'm thankful that i that i chose for me and and i realized there is a good and real and um, everyone has a, a kind of a perspective on alcohol and there's a lot of great arguments to be made on many but for me there was a personal encounter with god saying this is the path i have for you don't go back and um you know Alcohol aside, it was a path of obedience, actually, yes. of saying, God, I'll obey you, whatever you ask me to. And even if it's hard, I know that there's, there's promised blessing on the other side. So that, so, that decision right there, Randall, was the decision that opened the door for God to use my life in so many different ways.
1: Beautiful. That is a moving testimony, George. It, it occurs to me, you know, you, you're saying how it began as something you did as a sacrifice, but it morphed into pursuit of obedience. Um, yeah. What a great transition. George, I'm so thankful for what God is doing through you. I uh, I just uh, delight in what you and Sarah are doing, your faithfulness to the Lord and serving him. And I want to thank you for being a part of Better Roads today. Thanks for having me, Randall. And we want to thank you for joining us also on this edition of Better Roads. I hope you join us next time.
0: You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.